Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock takes us through a sermon from the book of James titled, Just Do It. True faith comes alive when our beliefs and actions are in harmony with the teachings of Jesus. It's not enough to simply believe. We must let our faith shine through our words and deeds. When we align our lives with the truth he embodies, we inspire others to believe as well. Let us remember that faith is not about being perfect, but about cultivating a genuine relationship with Jesus. When we choose to walk in his ways, we draw closer to God and discover the true purpose of our faith. May our actions speak loudly, reflecting the love and truth we have found in Jesus. We have so many people in church. This is so much fun. Uh, we, are, uh, we are growing. If, if you don't know anybody in this church, welcome to the club. Um, we've, we've grown by 150 people since January. Um, so part of, part, of, part of that story is us getting to know each other. And uh, we have, a, we have uh, two processes during the year, one uh, in the springtime, which we just finished for membership, and then one that will start in the fall. Um, so if you would like to join our church today and you've been through a portion or all of that process, now's the time that I'm going to ask you to stand. So if you're joining the church today, come on, stand up. If you've been dating the church for a while and you want to stand and uh, say yes, then stand up. Um, and, and here we go. All we're, all we're going to do is, is say this. Do you guys, as... Uh, as Saints in this church promise to love Jesus, serve this church with your heart, your soul, your strength, but most of all, fall in love with him, our Savior, more and more every day. Use your gifts for this kingdom, his kingdom here on earth. If so, say, I do. I do. And for you as the congregation, do you promise to love these saints, to get to know them, to bless them, and to be blessed by them? If so, say, we will. We will. Can we welcome our newest members of Coastal Community Church? Way to go. That's it. Have a seat. For all of our new members, we have apple pie and ice cream for you. And for the rest of you, we have apple pie and ice cream for you at the end of the service. So we're so grateful for you. Again, we're going to do communion at the end. So if you're watching online, make sure that you have... Um, your strawberries and shortcake and whatever you're drinking ready to go, coffee, whatever it is. Um, that's the fun thing about being online. You can do anything with communion, so it's, uh, it's pretty great. Um, welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here. If you are new or visiting with us, we do this every week, but we, we are a church led by a vision, and this vision comes from Isaiah 61. It's the heart of God that we see over and over and over again in Scripture, and it goes like this. There is always hope beyond our brokenness, always. There's no person here that is beyond restoration, redemption, salvation, and repair. There's no part of your life and your heart that cannot be renewed and restored. Jesus is always bringing us hope beyond where we're at. And the Christian life isn't like, oh, like I got perfect and now I'm better. It's I get healed and then I continue to become aware of the next thing that gets healed. And when we join June Rosso in heaven and see God face to face, we will then be perfectly perfected and all of our hope will come true. Amen? Amen. Second, we are called to trust in our risen Savior. And that is like the best Disneyland e-ticket ride 
the best roller coaster in the world because we say, Jesus, where are you going and I'm going to follow? Jesus, I don't want to do any of this life alone. Jesus, here's this empty part of my heart and I'm inviting you into it. Jesus, here's a weight I cannot bear. Hold it up with me under it. Trusting him is a daily choice that we make. You don't fall in love with your spouse like you fall into a hole. I know it might feel that way right now. But I want you to know that we choose. We choose. That word weighs 10,000 pounds in your life. We choose every day to follow him, to trust him. And finally, we get to bring restoration. And so I cannot wait next week for you guys to hear the stories People keep on giving more and more money to the Change for a Dollar adventure that we have in our church. But I also want to let you know that yes, yesterday, uh, Sherrod uh, Timori, our Minister of Custodial Arts, uh, as well as Rob Coghill, our uh, Minister of Chron our Chronicler of Miracles, uh, and a whole team of people put together all this furniture that we've gotten from Dolphin Bay and In at the Pier and you guys donating. And I think the, the total from yesterday is I'm pretty sure that we raised pretty much 10 grand yesterday. Yeah. So we're going to use that money from all this furniture that we're selling, outdoor furniture, indoor furniture. You see samples outside. There's places for you to sit now uh, Well, because we got extra uh, while, while you're eating your apple pie. There's a chance for you to take a piece of furniture, and now all of a sudden people are buying furniture, and now they're making a difference, profound difference for those in need in our community. How much fun is this? Right? So will you choose with me? Will you choose with me today to follow Jesus? And if you want to, then declare this and choose this out loud. Let's say this together. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen? Okay. Can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? Yes. Would that be okay? Yes. I want, uh, if you've ever struggled with the idea of faith and action, and how does like doing stuff and faith, how does works and faith all kind of work together? Today is your day where I hope to clarify you that, to lift off any shame or burden that you're carrying, to help you see and understand what faith is and how it operates in your life, but most importantly, that faith is our relationship with Jesus. Today, I want you to understand that you matter, that what you do matters, that you have significance, you have a purpose, that that the things that you do or don't do actually make a difference. His resurrection work that we join him in are places where our dead hearts are brought back to life and then we get to be a part of Jesus bringing hopeless situations into hope. Jesus wants to restore every area of your internal life and every area of your external life. And he wants you to be a part of his mission to help the person sitting next to you, literally right now. I mean, you dragged them here hoping they would listen, <laughs> right? So James wants to understand, help us understand all of that today. So can we just pray one more time real quick?
So Jesus, restore and renew our armor. We bind up and silence and cast out anything opposed to Jesus that's here now in the name of Jesus. Leave and go to Jesus to be judged. Father, bring your Holy Spirit here. Fill us and restore us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So are you ready? Book of James, chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read together. Here it is. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So James starts right out the gate by setting the table really clearly. Now remember the context, because the context is key. The very last verse that we talked about last week, which is like what James is saying in the very same breath, is this. Are you ready? Mercy triumphs over judgment. So James isn't saying all of this to judge you. We fall under the mercy of God's love. So what is James saying? Well, you're either going to live by the law of mercy, so you either can receive mercy and give it away, or if you want to live by judgment. So you, if you want to be the judge, then you're going to be judged all the time. Mercy, by the way, read with me triumphs over judgment. It's a much better way of living. <laughs> Do you want to keep on interacting with your own heart with judgment? I mean, we all do. We all beat the snot out of ourselves. And then all of a sudden we find out that the same tool we're using on our own hearts is we're using with others. It makes zero sense, but we do. So James says, if you want to live with mercy in your life, then it needs to come through. So he gives us an example. Are you ready? Here it is. Let's read together. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by actions, is dead. This is literally James saying, hey, thoughts and prayers don't work. Okay? If someone comes into our church literally wearing like nothing and they're starving, we're not going to be like, oh, I hope it goes well for you. No, we're going to clothe them and feed them and help them. Nice intentions don't fill a hungry belly. Good thoughts and, 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 and powerful prayers won't keep them warm if they're literally shivering. Trusting Jesus will always lead you to action because love does. Love is action. Jesus didn't like... Stay up in heaven and cheer us on in our misery. You can do it. <laughs> right? Love is action. Jesus entered our mess and redeemed our mess and our sin and our brokenness by his living and dying and resurrection as our substitute for me. And Jesus isn't absent now, hoping you get it all together with thoughts and prayers. 
Jesus is present in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit to bless you, to redeem you, to renew you, to restore you, to suffer with you. Love does. A junior high boy in a small town left a grocery store carrying a heavy bag of groceries that he had just purchased for his family, and tripping right out of the store, he fell on the concrete and crushed the contents of the groceries underneath his body. Eggs are smashed, milk bottles busted, leaking, bread is destroyed. It was a disaster, and strangers gasped when he fell, but just stood there, and one man looked around and then came up to this junior high boy and helped him up, got him cleaned off, and gave him five bucks, and everybody was like, oh, that's so nice, and he looked at them all and said, well, I care $5 worth. How much do you care? Within seconds, that young man had enough money to buy his groceries again. Love does. Love is action. Faith does. Faith includes action. Why? Because you matter. You're significant. You're not a bystander alive. You're on the playing field. You're not in Little League picking your nose in left field. You're right in the middle of the action. And you say, yeah, Andy, but I thought the point of faith was that I believe in Jesus and I can't be saved by my own works, right? You're correct. But listen, friends, faith isn't passive the moment you trust Jesus. Why? Because when Jesus tells you to do something about your own, or, or your own heart or about what to do to be a blessing to another person or how to pray for a particular situation, you either do that or don't. So faithfulness is doing what Jesus says because you trust him consistently. That's faithfulness. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that your brakes work on your automobile? Well, y'all got here today, right? Did anybody just smash their car into trees or brick walls or other vehicles in order to stop? Seriously, you all better say no. No, no, you all used your brakes to stop your car. Why? Because you trust your brakes. Do you trust them like 70% of the time? You know what? Today, I'm just going to give no brakes a chance. Let's just see if that works. Do you do that? Why? Because you don't want to wreck your life. The purpose of trusting your brakes or Jesus, is that you choose to act upon your trust and put your foot down on the brake. Yes? yes? Not complicated. It's the same thing with Jesus. The purpose in trusting Jesus is to know him, to love him, to trust him, to put that into action so you don't crash your life. Verse 18, but someone will say, oh, well, you have faith. <laughs> I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Read verse 19 with me. You believe that there is one God. 
Demons believe that and shudder. Our faith leads to action. Jesus says, says to forgive, so we forgive. How's that going? <laughs> it's a choice. Just like choosing unforgiveness is a choice. I told you that word weighs 10,000 pounds in your life. Stop waiting for the emotion to come. It's not going to come until you choose. If you're waiting for the emotion to come because you feel angry and bitter, that's probably because you're choosing unforgiveness. You can choose forgiveness if you want to, and then different emotions will come. Faith in Jesus means we do it. James then gives us this example that we can't wriggle out of. And here it is. You ready? Demons believe that Jesus is Lord. Did you know this? They know who Lord is. I've literally spoken to a demon casting out of somebody and say, I command you in the name of Jesus, tell me who's Lord. And they go, Jesus. But guess what? They don't act upon what Jesus says. That's what a demon does. They know that Jesus is Lord, and then they don't do what Jesus says. Ooh, that stinks. Have you ever thought, it's all on me? If I don't do it, then it will all fall apart. I can do it better than them anyways, and then they'll see how great I am at handling everything and fixing everything. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that? You can raise your hand. All you liars who didn't raise your hand. You can raise your hand, right? This is what the demon of pride has said to every human being in every culture, on every continent, across all of time for all of human history. That's what pride says, and it's never changed. It's one of the reasons why we know that, like, it's empirical evidence that, like, every single person deals with demonic influence because they always speak the same and they always have spoken the same for all of human history. How about this one? I don't have enough time, money, sleep, energy, resources, opportunities. That's called... Scarcity. Have you ever heard that thought running through your head? Yeah, you all have. Some of you believed it. Some of you don't. Demons want you to act on these lies because they, check this out, they want your faith and your actions separated. And the separation of your faith and actions is what destroys your faith in Jesus. Let me, let me explain a little bit more. We're the only culture in human history that says that if we've talked about something, we've done something. It doesn't work that way. We regularly give advice to our friends. You know, you really got to let go of that resentment. While we're just like holding a mountain of anger in ourselves. We tell others, oh, you know, be kind, you know, just you know, trust the Lord, right? And then we don't. We get so mad that Jeff Bezos hasn't given enough money away. 
How's that offering box look today? <laughs> well, I mean, the 10%, the tithing doesn't really apply to me. Like, I mean, no, that's what we do. We think that talking about something means that we've done something, and now we've separated faith and action, and then our faith is destroyed. It's why outsiders look at church people, and they go, oh, man, they're like, they say one thing, and then they do another. And we all see it in our friends, and the person next to you can see it in you plain as day. And so what happens when our faith, what we confess with our mouth, doesn't line up with what we actually do? We get discouraged. We stop praying. Worship becomes difficult. We doubt God. Why? Because we're constantly running into the brick wall of our consequences of our actions, and then we go, how come my faith doesn't work? And Jesus is like, have you ever tried obedience? And we're like, no, that's not how it works. And he's like, oh, okay, here's James. Next slide. Our faith, our faith absent action actually becomes a source of discouragement and disillusionment as we're weighed down with these crushing spiritual vampires draining us of life. We end up believing the demon of doubt and despair that says, you know what, prayer doesn't work. Maybe God doesn't listen to, to my prayers or maybe doesn't, God doesn't even exist. And here's the awful truth that you need to understand. If you have faith in a lie, next slide, if you have faith in a lie and then you put that lie into action, who is your faith in? It's not Jesus. If faith in Jesus is, I believe this is true, and then I put it into an action, that's faith in Jesus, yes? If you believe God doesn't love me, God doesn't care about me, I'm worthless, I'm all alone, and then you put that lie into action, who are you believing? Who is your faith in? It's not Jesus. So this last week, I was invited to play an epic role-playing board game set up by one of our youth group kids, Ben O'Hagan. He worked on creating this elaborate game full of adventure fun all week. He'd been up eight days all the way till midnight setting up this amazing game. And he goes, Andy, Andy, I want you to do me one favor. I'm like, anything, Ben. And he goes, look, don't go crazy and try and kill all of the people who are playing. We're all going to be a team. And I've set up all these like monsters and stuff that we're going to go through. And we just want to do it together. And I said to Ben, you got it, man. And then what did I do? (laughs) Yeah, don't laugh, man. It was not a good moment for me. Right? I was like, you know what? My crazy player's going to go crazy, and he's going to kill all the other players. And it was awful. Why? Why, why, why did I do this? Because I wanted the game to be about me. You know what that's called? Pride. And I wanted to do what I wanted to do. You know what that's called? Entitlement. So the pastor of the church believed the lies of entitlement of pride and made a youth group kid's game horrible. That's what the pastor of the church did this week. And I don't know what church this is, but that guy, he's got issues, right? (laughs) My faith, my faith in Jesus did not correspond to my actions. I was an absolute turd. Or as James says, a fool. 
Verse 20. You foolish person. Now, don't read this to the person sitting next to you. Speak this to your own disobedience. Are you ready? Read this with me out loud. You foolish person. useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, to a Jewish, Jewish audience, Jewish Christian audience reading this 2,000 years ago, they'd be like, oh, that makes sense. To us Californians in 2023, we're like, well, that's a terrible example I'm never going to like offer my kid up like as a sacrifice. What is that all about? Let me, let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. We think, man, God, you're, you're mean. And God's not mean. Okay. Just follow along with me. Okay. God told Abraham and Sarah, the two 80-year-olds, that their, their descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And you know what they said? Sweet. We believe you, God. And then they waited, and then they waited, and then they waited, and they w- this is back in the day when 80 was the new 30, okay? And then they waited, and then they waited, and they waited, and you know what they decided to do? They decided, ah, no, we're going to have some baby mama drama. That's what they decided to do. It's not Father Abraham had many sons. It wasn't that. It's Father Abraham slept with the maid, and his wife said, yes, you can do it, and it was freaking awful, Right? That's how that went, right? That's how that went, okay? So Abraham and Sarah say, hey, Hagar, we got a little thing for you to do, right? And Hagar had Ishmael, and then Sarah was like, I don't want her in the house. And so she kicked them out to starve to death in the wilderness, and they got angels and help. Oh, that just was the Arab people. And, you know, Arab and Jews, they get along great from all of human history. So, wow, Abraham and Sarah... Your disobedience matters. If you trust God, what you do matters, and what you don't do matters. So when God says to Abraham, when they finally have their own kid, Abraham and Sarah are pregnant, and they get Isaac, and they have their own kid, and God says to Abraham, I want you to walk up this mountain with Isaac. It's the mountain called Mount Moriah, which is today modern-day Jerusalem at the top of that mountain. Abraham walks up to what would be modern-day Jerusalem. He walks up that mountain, and what is God asking him to do by, by offering up Isaac? He's asking Abraham for his heart back. He's asking Abraham for his faith back. He's asking Abraham to make a decision to put this to weight of his soul, not on what kid he's gonna have, but to put the weight of his soul upon Jesus, upon God himself. Does that make sense? If you put the weight of your soul on your child rather than God, you will crush your child. So God is inviting Abraham, trust me again. Have faith in me again. Now, if Abraham said like, oh, yes, I'll do that, and then he didn't do it, that wouldn't have helped Abraham turn the corner from faithlessness to faithfulness. Does that make sense? The results are spectacular. Abraham having faith changed the course of human history for us sitting in this room right now. So James concludes this. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called, read it with me, God's friend. God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteousness by what they do, and not just by thoughts or belief alone. What James is doing is he's taking this idea of faith and he's saying it's not just thoughts and prayers or what you say, it's actually what you say and what you believe combined with your actions. This is what's crazy. Abraham was not righteous because he did the right thing. Righteousness is not moral perfection at all. Righteousness is you being in right relationship with God. Here's Abraham, a hot freaking mess. He's made a whole mess of like literally he does not know the generational consequences of his own disobedience. And God gives him another chance, not because Abram is good, Abraham is good, but because God is good. And what's the point of Abraham trusting God? The end of verse 23, Abraham believed God, who was credited him as righteousness, and he was called God's That's the whole point of faith. That's it. There it is. That's the whipped cream on the mountaintop. That's it. It's to know God and to be his friend. James isn't insisting that you get it right all the times. James didn't. He was Jesus' brother, and he's like, Jesus, you crazy. Right? God isn't interested in you scrambling around, trying to get it perfect, trying to get it right, trying to get all the right answers all the time. God wants your connection to him, your trust in him, your willingness to say, you know more than I do. I'm willing to follow your directions one step, one time. As we sang, I don't want to go unless you lead, unless you go before me. James never had a friendship with his brother Jesus until he chose to put his faith in Jesus and believe, which translated into action. Make a sense, eh? Great. What happens to James when he actually trusted Jesus? Oh, man, his eyes were open to Jesus' goodness, his love, his majesty, his, his divinity, his lordship, his glory. And he let go of his pride and his doubt and his joy, and he chose to follow Jesus. James is writing this letter to churches that are being scattered, and you know where James is when he's writing this letter? He's in Jerusalem. He's going to get killed because of his faithfulness to Jesus. That's how much of a friendship he wanted with our Lord. And James ends this passage today with this final miracle statement. And we're going to end, and then we're going to do communion here shortly. Verse 25. Read this with me. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Read verse 26 again. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James gets such a bad reputation in the New Testament. He's like, oh, man, there's just a bunch of commands. There's just a bunch of stuff to try and get you to be perfect. Um, Excuse me, Rahab was not perfect. Either the woman was born into, forced by circumstance, or chose prostitution. Either way, she was not perfect. 
And in the moment of her trusting God and saying, I'm going to let these Jewish spies in so that the walls of Jericho can be taken down, so that God's plans and purposes and kingdom can come into the nation of Israel, Rahab said yes. And in that moment, she was God's friend and she was saved. We will see her in heaven. Not because she was morally perfect, but because she had faith and trusted in God and became God's friend. That's the point of faith. The moment James trusted Jesus and put that trust into action, it's not because James had it all together or was morally perfect. It's because he started a friendship of trust and faith with Jesus in that moment and said, I believe you, and now I'm going to do something about it. The crooked people God continually uses to make straight paths is for a profound reason, is so that God gets all the glory. The whole point of faith and action being connected is to know God and be filled with his Holy Spirit, to join God as his friend in his life-saving work. I don't want to act like a demon in my life. I don't want to believe that Jesus is Lord and then do what I want to do. I don't want those things on me sucking the life out of me. I want to trust God. I want to have his spirit filling my body and then me doing what he wants so that love and joy and hope overflows out of me into all of the people that I love so dearly, you. Your spirit animates your body. You need both to be alive. Your faith in Jesus is designed to animate your actions, and you need both to be alive. His spirit is in you right now. His will is being done in you right now. You keep on saying yes, and look at the results. His kingdom is coming right here on earth, in this place, in this funky little church, which ain't so little anymore. I want to invite you to make a choice today. What shall you choose? Do you choose to be changed by Jesus? If so, say, I do. I do. do you choose to trust Jesus? Do. do you choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work with your actions? I do. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus himself has filled every place of your heart with his love and presence and faithfulness. He will never stop believing in you and working on your behalf. So today we say yes to believe in him and have our actions follow. Amen? Amen. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sin. Would you stand for the benediction on this 4th of July weekend of freedom with apple pie and fireworks to come? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's beloved, chosen, forgiven saints said, Amen.
God bless you guys. Have a great day and a wonderful holiday. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.